It is good to be with the Lord today. I have titled this sermon, The Amazing Race, because the whole idea of Philip catching up with the chariot because the Spirit told him to is truly amazing. Last week in Acts 6, we met seven followers of Jesus who were called to be deacons and care for the widows in Jerusalem. Philip was a part of that group of seven. Now, don't confuse this Philip with Philip the Apostle. We've got two different men named Philip in Acts. You'll remember from last week that Stephen was the leader of the group of deacons, and he was known for signs and wonders. He was stoned to death, and a persecution began that made the followers of Jesus scatter. I would imagine a close friend of Stephen's would be at the top of the list to stone next, so Philip left Jerusalem. However, he didn't go into hiding. He went to other places and shared about Jesus. In Acts 1, Jesus had told them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the start of the expansion. And that's why Philip, the deacon turned evangelist, found himself in the city of Samaria. Will you read from with me from Acts chapter 8? We're going to read verses 4 through 8 and then pick up with 26. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. Now those who were scattered went from place to place, proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed. And many others who were paralyzed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in that city. And then down to verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord came to Philip. Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This was a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask, does this prophet say this? about himself or about someone else. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus 
And as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The man from Ethiopia had been in Jerusalem for a celebration. He was an important man in his home country, the head of Queen Candace's entire treasury. He wasn't Jewish, yet there was something about the Hebrew God that drew him. The love and mercy. The way that this God was so different from the pantheon of gods who acted out of selfish interests. The holiness of heart and life. This God out, acted out of love for his people. The man wasn't Jewish. And even though he was important in his country, because he was a eunuch, he was specifically excluded from being part of the community that would convert and come into the outer edges of the temple. And yet, he still wanted to be in Jerusalem to worship. I imagine the hope and longing he must have felt, knowing he was excluded, but wanting so much to be enfolded into the love and grace of God. He brought home a copy of one of the holy books, the book of Isaiah. A little side note, books of the Bible wouldn't have been bound together in a book at this point. So you didn't go to the bookstore and get a Bible. You got a scroll and it didn't have the entire Old Testament. It would have been just a part of it. Some of it he understood easily. That's probably what drew him in the first place. But some of it was confusing. He was reading this passage from Isaiah 53 about a lamb led to the slaughter and being innocent. And, and what was this all about? And suddenly beside him was a man running alongside the chariot. It makes me think of every Western where they have to catch the runaway stagecoach or the train speeding to the edge of the cliff. Who was this man? Star of his high school track team? Future Olympic sprinter? Well, it's Philip, one of the deacons appointed with Stephen to serve the widows of the community. He had gone to Samaria, and he was known for the signs he showed there. Samaritans listened in one accord. That's a sign that the Christian community is spreading because that's the same way Luke describes the Christian community in Jerusalem. In one accord. Samaritans had been healed and had come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. They were filled with great joy. After they believed, they were baptized, and Peter and John came down from Jerusalem to lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. This is just an aside, but I want to point out that this is the practice of United Methodist and lots of other denominations with confirmation. We baptize children, but when they reach the age of accountability, they're given the opportunity to have hands laid on them, and the Holy Spirit confirms what has already happened in their lives. So, back to Philip. He's been in Samaria preaching and healing. Later on, he's going to go to Caesarea. We'll run into him again in Acts 21 when Paul comes to stay at his house and finds that he has four daughters who all have the gift of prophecy. So Philip is filled with the Holy Spirit, willing to follow wherever the Spirit calls him. And so this time the Spirit tells him to go to a road in the desert. And the Spirit says, go and join the chariot. 
Now, if I were Philip, I would have said, seriously? A chariot is rolling by, driven by very fast horses, way faster than my human legs could carry me. You want me to go join the chariot? I I'm not a character in a Western. I am not the star of the high school track team. If I were Philip, I would have questioned my instructions. But the truth of the matter is, I am Philip, a follower of Jesus anyway. The Spirit is always leading me. But I am too often that sorry version of Philip that I imagined. Because too often when the Spirit nudges me, I think of all the reasons I can't. I don't have time right now, Spirit. I'm not strong enough. Lord, are you asking me to break the laws of physics? I can't do it. I'm already doing this other thing that you asked me to do never realizing that God gave me the first task to get me in the right place for the second task. How often I have been nudged and ignored the nudge. And a few days later, I realized, oh, that's why I needed to check on that person you brought to mind. That's why I needed to be in that place that you were telling me to go. Listen, we're praying this summer for signs and wonders because we need signs and wonders in 2020. But we aren't going to see them if we aren't following the leading of the Spirit. If we won't even follow the easy nudges from the Spirit, how can we expect to see signs and wonders when the Holy Spirit leads us to do something that seems impossible? Thankfully, Philip, accustomed to following the Spirit, ran to catch the chariot. The man from Ethiopia invited him into the chariot, and Philip realized he was reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 to be exact, and the man was having trouble understanding. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I without someone to help me? Asked the man. Don't you find that's true sometimes? Sometimes the scripture is absolutely water in the midst of the Gaza desert. The scripture inspires us, supports us, feeds us. But sometimes I run across a scripture I just don't understand. I might understand all the words. I might know the story. But there's something about it that I don't get on a soul level. Maybe you have some scriptures that you struggle with too. And then God sends an interpreter. And you see the scripture in a whole new way. A light bulb goes on in your soul. I think that's why studying the Bible is so important. Not just taking a verse here, a verse there, but really, truly getting into the nitty-gritty and studying. Read the text. Read Bible scholars. Listen to godly teachers. Be part of small group discussions. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Get help for your journey in understanding the scripture. This is what the man needed. How can I understand unless someone guides me? What comes next is an outline of what it looks like to be a witness for Jesus. First, Acts says Philip took a big breath. Huh, I would imagine so. He has just been sprinting. But it's also a metaphor. Because, you know, in the biblical languages, wind and spirit are the same word. So I'm sure he took a big gulp of air. But what he needed was a breath of the Holy Spirit to help him explain in a way that this man would understand. We cannot do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when people became believers, it was because it was a movement of the Holy Spirit. This is what we need. We need the Holy Spirit active in our lives as believers before we can talk to somebody else about the scripture. Secondly, Philip begins where the man is reading. That's a good idea for us to keep in mind as we talk to people about Jesus. Begin where people are. We'll see the same thing later in Acts when Paul goes to Athens and sees the temple to the unknown God. A Christian who truly wants to engage the culture and not just fight it begins with the questions people are asking. The things we talk about among other Christians may not be the starting point for people who are seeking God. And make no mistake, people are seeking God. They're seeking the hope and the wholeness and the grace that comes from God. But we've got to take the time to listen and start where they are. I am so weary of the culture wars as though it's the church against the world. That is not what we see in Acts. What we see in Acts is the church is for the world. We need to love the people that Jesus loves. We need to reach out to the people that Jesus cares about. That might be thing three on your list to being a witness. Love the person you're talking to. You aren't trying to win an argument. You're trying to show the person in front of you the amazing love of God. You're opening the scripture not to prove a point, not so that you can brag about how you bested somebody in an argument. You're opening the scripture to show the heart of God. Philip, full of the Spirit, genuinely talks to the man, starting with his question. The Ethiopian man's question begins at Isaiah 53, one of the suffering servant passages. And so he asks, who is this about? The prophet or someone else? In this part of Isaiah, the prophet is speaking of God's promises that Israel will be a light to the nations. But he talks about all the ways they failed to even walk in the light themselves, much less be a light to anyone else. But Isaiah believed that one day a servant would come, one who would complete the task God had set out for his people to bring all people to him. But it would come at a cost. The servant would be innocent, yet found guilty. He would be rejected and killed like a lamb to the slaughter. But the surprise is that his rejection and death would usher in the redemption of God's people. Philip helps the Ethiopian man to see that this scripture is about Jesus. And Jesus, the Messiah, ushered in this whole new way of being in the world. That God's people really could be a light to the nations through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. He must have gone on to chapter 54 because that describes the new covenant that God is making with his people because of the lamb who was led to the slaughter, who brought about the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 55 of Isaiah describes a new creation, the new world that God envisions. 
And chapter 56, vital for the man who was listening because this man has been excluded. He's been excluded from, from the world where, where eunuchs aren't allowed into the temple. But what Isaiah 56 says is that even eunuchs would be invited into this new covenant, into the redemption that God is bringing about through Jesus Christ. Listen to Isaiah 56, 3. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Philip must have explained that Jesus was the suffering servant and that all would be described in the next chapters of Isaiah was beginning to happen right now. A new covenant, a new creation open to anybody who chooses to follow the things of God. No wonder the Ethiopian man was excited. He had been doubly excluded as a foreigner and a eunuch. And now suddenly Philip was saying he is welcome in this new covenant community, in this new creation, in this redemption that is open for all who will come. Imagine if you were the Ethiopian man, doubly excluded, and someone, a stranger, appears from nowhere and says, this is for you too. The thing that you have been longing for, the God you seek to worship, is inviting you in to this new community that is open because of what Jesus has done. You're not just a dry tree. You don't have to be separated from God's people. If you choose the things that please God and hold fast to his covenant, you are included. You are welcome. That's what the scripture is showing to the Ethiopian man as he started with Isaiah 53, all the way learning what God is doing. He was invited to be part of the covenant. Imagine if you were the Ethiopian man. Suddenly, the whole story of God is open to you. Imagine if you are Philip seeing the Holy Spirit at work all around you. Samaritans being healed and receiving the Holy Spirit. A man from Africa passing through, stopping to be baptized. You can do things you never thought you could. You realize that you are part of the signs and wonders because you are witnessing to the love and grace of God. Philip began the chapter in Samaria. And now, with the newly baptized court official headed home to Ethiopia, going on his way rejoicing, the gospel is on its way to the ends of the earth. The sign and wonder in Acts 8 isn't actually the amazing race 
where Philip catches the chariot. But the amazing grace of God who sent his son to redeem the world. The amazing grace of God calls us to tell the story, to open the scripture, to help the whole world see that this grace is for them. Listeners, this grace is for you. God is calling us to tell this story in our own country where so many people do not know the story. Not in anger and judgment, but with open arms, with an invitation into the holy covenant community. This is what Jesus said. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and friends in Jessup and Georgia and the United States and to the ends of the earth. This is our calling. This is our witness. May you go out and invite others into the kingdom story. Will you pray with me the collect for Philip from the Book of Common Prayer? Holy God, no one is excluded from your love, and your truth transforms the minds of all who seek you. As your servant Philip was led to embrace the fullness of your salvation and to bring the stranger to baptism, so give us all the grace to be heralds of the gospel, proclaiming your love in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.